Hey there, before getting into this episode, I just want to let you know that we were having connectivity issues during this interview, but the content was so good, I didn't want you to miss out. So please excuse any audio glitches you hear during this episode. I had to talk to myself a lot and say, no, you know you can do this. You know you have the skills. You just have to figure out what it is you need to give yourself in order to allow yourself to shine and to show what you can bring to the table. If you've landed here on this podcast, then I already know two things about you. One, you've probably already accomplished amazing things. And two, you're interested in learning more about improving your personal level of success. This is the Successful Women Think Differently podcast, and I'm your host, Valerie Burton. I'm a personal and executive coach, best-selling author of more than a dozen books, and founder of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Institute. Are you ready to close the gap between where you are now and where you really want to be? Then let's dive into today's episode. Have you ever felt like a dream of yours is so big and would require so many connections or opportunities that you just feel like you don't have access to? Have you ever worked towards something and just faced disappointment um, and struggled to persevere? I think we've all been there if we have a big enough vision. We start out thinking something's going to happen just like that. And before we know it, we are so deep and it's taking so much longer than what we expect. But if we can just persevere, what we typically find is that it was worth it. Coming up next on the Successful Women Think Differently podcast, I am talking to Emmy-nominated screenwriter Kristen Tucker about the power of having a singular focus and how to stay the course when your dream feels like it's been denied. Kristen, I am so excited to have you now. I, I want to give everybody just a little little of your background, and I, um, I'm terribly proud, but Kristen is uh, an Emmy-nominated screenwriter for the HBO show, where well, you got your Emmy nomination for the HBO show, a Black Lady sketch show just, gosh, is it just one year ago that you got your first Emmy nomination? Yes. Maybe two. I mean, time, I don't know what time means these days, but somewhere between one. <laughs> you don't know what time means. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So she is currently co-producer on Amazon's upcoming series, All Stars, starring Reese Witherspoon and created by Aline Brosh McKenna. She previously worked on exec as executive story editor on the upcoming Netflix series, Dead Boy Detectives. I really love the whole premise behind that one. Um, she's story editor on season two of Max's The Flight Attendant. Have you seen that? My husband is like hooked on it now. And staff writer on season two, as I mentioned, of the groundbreaking comedy, A Black Lady Sketch Show. That's where she got her Emmy nomination. And she's currently developing a TV series based on an original idea with Robin Thieves for Better or Words Productions and WBTV for BET+. And in the feature world is writing a Netflix original film to star Jada Pinkett Smith and to be directed by Oscar winner Matthew Cherry. Kristen. That's quite a resume. <laughs> and that's just the stuff from the last two years. <laughs> I mean, when you read it out loud, it sounds great. <laughs> well, how else would it sound? I mean, I'm I'm so excited. So the other piece I didn't read from Kristen's bio, besides the fact that she's from Dallas, 
which is where we originally met when she was still just a teenager and I was not quite a teenager, <laughs> um, is that Kristen is my god sister and we are so very close. But I have watched this journey, Kristen, from you writing. I mean, at 14, your writing talent was so evident. And then going off to college to write, to, to really pursue this vision, going to grad school, getting into the NBC Writers Program, which if I recall, and as your big sister, I can, I can say all the details. I think there were like 6,000 people that applied and they chose like 15 is that about right? There were eight of us. There were eight. It wasn't even 50. <laughs> eight of you. And all those those points along the way where you were getting opportunities, but they weren't the the big, oh, I've got this job now. It was, oh, I'm writing an episode of a show on the Disney Channel, or I'm, you know, I'm a part of this, but it's it's enough to tell me I'm on the right path but not enough that this is the only thing that I'm doing. And so for so many, um, you know, as obviously the podcast is successful, women think differently. When, when we have a vision of what we want, it can be hard to stay the course. But when you're getting that, the confirmation along the way, you know, when you get your manager, it's a really big deal. When you land an agent, it's a really big deal. When when Disney Channel asks you to write an episode, it's obvious that the talent is there. But when you're still needing to do all the other things that pay the bills, I think for any of us, whether we're trying to start a business or become an author, I had, you know, I had those moments myself, or there's any other dream where we've got to stick with it, it can be hard. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you how you feel right now. And then I want you to tell me about, about this whole journey along the way. H how does it feel now? I mean, after you had a few of the big agencies like fighting over who's going to get to represent you and now you're writing for all of these major networks, how does it feel now? It feels, I think because I've been on the other side, on the other side, I know how bleeding it can be and how hard it was to get to this point. So I certainly do not take it for granted. Every day, I'm grateful for where I am and for what I have and for good days, bad days, whatever it is. I'm like, yes, but you could be doing that thing that you didn't like doing. Remember that? <laughs> so... I always stay grounded in that, but I, I don't, like I said, when I heard you saying all those things, I was like, wow, that sounds like a great gal. I <laughs> know her, but I don't ever sit in those moments of really appreciating and adding myself on the back because it's hard for me to do that in general, but also because I, I know there's just so much more that I feel like I haven't even crack the surface of what I want to do. So I'm kind of in this in-between space of gratitude, but also like, let's keep this train going. I got places to go and things to do. Yeah. yeah. So when you say like, there's so much more you want to do, what is, what is the vision? I want to achieve the highest levels of success in this profession, which is 
Emmys and Oscars and the whole thing. I want to have movies and TV shows that are really well respected and highly regarded and ones that people can watch over and over again and always sort of go back to and appreciate because I have those and I would love for something that I create to have that lasting legacy. Um, And I would love to be able to help see help other young women other young black women to sort of get up in the ranks and have more of us in this space because while we've certainly made strides there are a lot there's a lot more opportunity for us to tell our stories and to be in the rooms and to have our voices heard so it would be great to be in sort of a producing position one day to give more opportunities to people that have been more marginalized. Um, So that's also what success looks like for me. Well, you know, it reminds me that our vision is, is multifaceted, right? Like the first part of it can be just landing the, the big gig that opens the doors, but that's not the end of the vision. At the same time, like you said, you're listening, you're going, oh, that sounds like a great girl. <laughs> it, it can be easy to almost not notice when we get to our vision to two, because we're so hard working towards what that next thing is. But if we if we go back, when did you first know that you wanted to be a screenwriter? Junior year of college, I took a screenwriting class. Um you, as you mentioned, I'd always liked writing ever since I was in elementary school, loved reading, loved just words in general. But growing up in Dallas, screenwriting was not a thing that anyone talked about that I was ever exposed to. So I was thinking journalism or something like that. Um, and it wasn't until I happened to take the screenwriting class in college, just on a whim and I thought, oh, this is amazing. I would, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to pursue. This is it. And that's what compelled me to apply to grad school for my master's in screenwriting. And it was. No, I didn't even realize that. I thought this, I thought you had screenwriting in your head way back, like in high school. Now it was just the writing in general. And you've always been such a creative writer. In fact, if you listen to the second episode when I was talking about procrastination and my um, my crazy plane ride to L.A. where I wrote six yes. that was for Kristen's birthday. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Which it's always amazed me because you you write. It feels like you write effortlessly. I mean, I'm a writer too, right? And but my grad school was journalism, not not screenwriting. Um, and I like overthink it. I have to always overcome my perfectionism of myself permission to write badly. But I, I've always watched you and you've even helped me sometimes with my own writing and you just write like it's nothing. (laughs) I am glad the illusion is working. (laughs) I was going to ask you what the secret is. I, once I get in the zone which it can take me a minute to get there but once i'm in there if i can tune everything out then i can allow the things to flow out that are there Mm -hmm. um and i don't know that that's 
secret necessarily, but just tapping into what's waiting for me. Yeah. What I feel like I think that's a big part of it. When you say what's waiting, you know that there is something there that you're meant to bring to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and tap into that always for me, even reminds me of of my purpose. Like when I'm thinking about everybody else and how they're going to experience my writing, I get stuck. Right. But I think when I think about how I'm going to serve through my writing or how someone's going to be helped through it, it it's just not, it just shifts, shifts my mindset, shifts how I think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So you're a junior in college and you're like, yeah, I think I want to do this screenwriting thing. What what gave you the audacity to have that big dream? Because we know it's it's entertainment, it's Hollywood. It's not like, oh, I want to go into marketing or accounting where there are tons of companies that need those services. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Limited, you know, number of opportunities. What gave you the audacity to say, no, this is what I want and I'm going to go after it? Well, if you remember, I started out in that marketing, accounting, international business realm freshman year at Georgetown. That was my major. Don't give me that. <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm foreign. Yes. I was an international. Accounting? Well, I had to take accounting classes in the business school. Yes. Okay. So okay. I was on the whole business track freshman year. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 this, no, this is not, we need to get off this train and do something else. (laughs) So that's when I transferred to USC. I went to entertainment communication. So I still didn't know what exactly I was doing, but I knew, okay, I'm good with communication. I'm good with speaking, writing. So there's got to be something there. And then found the screenwriting class. And I think it was a combination of having gone to this all girls school for eight years and being told you can do anything whatever you put your mind to you can succeed at it the world is your oyster and having had that foundation of oh I can do whatever I put my mind to there was never really a doubt at that point for me as to whether or not this could actually become a reality because I'd always been groomed to think that I could do whatever it was I put my mind to and that's what there's I was so much in that. Yeah, there's so much in in that as a parent, right? To what our what our kids are exposed to and what they grow up in, you know, believing about themselves. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, love, love that. And I know your mom was so intentional about yeah. putting you in environments. I know she believed it anyway. Yes, yes, that for sure. Even the school before. St. Phillips, I mean, it was, we would go into chapel every morning and say, if it is to be, it's up to me. And, you know, all these mantras of like this, I can do this. I just got to believe. And so I had that mentality going in. Oh, I love that. So you went to St. Phillips, you went to the Hockaday School, which is pretty awesome. Girls school. I remember you giving your, giving the commencement address, um, and being so proud and picturing that you were going to set out and do exactly what you wanted to do, whatever that was. Um, but, you know, in Successful Women Think Differently, I talk about this habit. The very first habit I talk about in the book, Successful Women Think Differently, is simply believe you can do it. Um, and it sounds so simple, but this whole idea that for many women, the 
struggle with imposter syndrome, like not always feeling like we um, we we belong in the room, even though we do. Mm-hmm. Um, that particularly plagues women of color. Did you have any doubts over the years as you were moving in this direction, but you weren't always seeing the <laughs> the results that you were wanting? And if so, what were those doubts? Um, yeah, I I had imposter syndrome last month. I mean, uh, that has never gone away. It's I feel like it's always a constant struggle. Can you tell me about this imposter syndrome last month? Uh, so the show that I was just working on, um, the Reese Witherspoon show for Amazon Prime, it was my first time in a traditional half hour comedy room. So I'd done sketch comedy, I'd done more of the dramedy, but this is my first time in a comedy room, half hour, and it was just a different energy, a different vibe. And so I'm learning, even though I've done this before, I've never done it like this. And so I'm I'm learning new things and stretching new muscles. And I'm like, oh no, I don't, What I don't have this. What am I doing? I'm awful. I. I'm in my own head. Like I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't get out of my own way. And I had to talk to myself a lot and say, no, you know, you can do this. You know, you have the skills. You just have to figure out what it is you need to give yourself in order to allow yourself to shine and to show what you can bring to the table. So if that means taking extra time before work or after work or whatever to read through things and sit with them so that you have your thoughts already together and prepared. Or if that means, you know, jotting down extra notes or whatever it takes for you, for me to feel more prepared and secure so that I can bring out what I know is there, but that I was struggling to access. That's mm-hmm. what I had to do. And, you know, it was that. And I was saying prayers and just asking for the strength to to bring what I knew I could and to show my value and my worth. And I felt like I got there. But uh, yeah, no, that the, the imposter syndrome has not gone away, even with several opportunities on different projects. Well, I, I love your process, though, because that's it, we can't control the thoughts that show up. But we can be aware of them and then counteract them. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like you said, reminding yourself of why you're in the room in the first place, that you have the skills. I think a lot of times we just, if we're not careful, we can have these thoughts come. And if we don't have that level of awareness, we can it can paralyze us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So... When when did you first realize? Well, first of all, how long did you think it would take you? <laughs> uh, I mean, to... let me just say, okay, I, don't know I, was, the I was not bored with patience, so that was never a part of this game plan. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do college, and then I'll do grad school, and then I'll give myself like six months. I mean, year max. I'm sure I'll be well on my way. Like I have my list of goals of like. By 30, I'm going to have won this award and that one, and I'll probably be a millionaire yet. 30, I mean, that's a long time. Fine. So I had all these things planned out, and um, that was not that was not the plan. That was not in the cards at all. And it was sort of like, wait, what? 
does this mean? What's happening here? Uh, I didn't understand why, because it had always been the case that I, my, whatever I put out, my level of effort will be reflected in what I achieve. And I was giving the effort and I was doing the work and I knew I had the talent, but I was not seeing the results manifest yeah. in the physical world. And I did not understand that disconnect because again, going back to what I was taught, it was like, you can do anything. You just put the work forth and it will, it will produce. And that I, it wasn't adding up. And that was a real struggle for me because no one had ever really yeah. told me that part. Wow. I think a lot of us are told, I mean, we all know the whole, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. And then the reality of having a big dream mm -hmm. and then it taking longer than you thought. What, what did you then decide to do when you, I mean, when you, when you had the realization, <laughs> clearly this isn't going to take six months, a year. <laughs> It's not even going to be six years. All right. What then? When 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 the reality finally hit, it was hard. I didn't. I did not deal with it well. Um, I. It was hard emotionally. Um, I would say I struggled a lot. There was a lot of tears. Um, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of questioning, you know, myself, my value, my direction. Um, I think there were times that I was for sure in a depressed state because I just, I knew what I was capable of and I didn't understand why I could not, I wasn't in a position to show the world what I was capable of. That just didn't make sense to me. And so I had to take on these jobs that I didn't really want to do, but I have to do something. And so I'm sort of just in a numb place and sort of robotic doing what I have to do just to get by, just to make money and not really caring. So I have to tune out emotionally and mentally just to sort of function. And so it wasn't, it didn't feel good. I didn't feel good. Um, I, it was a really hard time and I wasn't sure what it, what it meant. I didn't know what I was being told. Am I being told this is not what I'm supposed to be doing? Because as you said, I had little successes, but they were so spread out. There was a lot of time in between those things. So I, I had a lot of times to think and analyze and overthink and am I supposed to be doing something else should I give this up and there were times when I was like okay I'll just I'll just I'll do this copywriting job I'll try this and just maybe see if this is where I'm supposed to be and the other thing was just a dream or maybe my writing is supposed to manifest in another way that's what my brain said the brain that has yeah. to rationalize and get through the day yeah but my soul always knew something else Mm -hmm. and uh it was uh it was easy sometimes to silence that or to ignore it as like you don't know what you're talking about because if that was true then everything would be different yeah. um 
but I remember distinctly at some point when I'd come back, I'd been in LA, I came back to Texas. I was in a relationship that was ending. Um, I was very emotionally devastated. And in that moment of like being completely broken, my soul said, and now you can go back to California. And it was like, <laughs> so it was a voice that was mine, but not mine. And it was so clear to me in that moment that she was saying, I know this hurts, but I know where you're supposed to be. And I've always known where you're supposed to be. So you have to go do this because this is for you. And I promise it'll be there. And I went back and then things began to happen a lot, a lot more quickly than before. But um, wow, it, it was a journey emotionally, for sure. It's an emotional journey, but it was also spiritual because you were, you knew deep down, you're not supposed to give up. Mm -hmm. I, and I know, I know we had a lot of conversations over the years when you were feeling discouraged. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's funny because I think, because uh, I've been there when I feel discouraged and you've got the people who love you, like, it's going to just keep going. It's going to work. Yeah. Ever times that I was like, you're so talented because you are. Like, I just couldn't imagine that it wouldn't work out. All I have to do is look at TV <laughs> shows and movies. And I'm like, Kristen can write. And I would say that to you and you'd be like, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's how I felt. Like, please, stop talking. <laughs> but I think it's encouraging because we all need to know that we're not alone when we have a vision and we just we just know like it's something that won't let us go, mm -hmm. that we need to keep going, but we don't control the timeline. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the hard thing. Has this taught you anything about patience? Since you said that wasn't your top strength. <laughs> I mean, we're amicable. Like, I don't know that we're besties or anything yet. But, you know, I, <laughs> I can deal with her now. It's fine. I realize that there's a that idea of, like, what's meant for you is meant for you. And adult patience a lot of times comes along with that and it doesn't mm -hmm. feel good she never said it I feel good but it's like I am I am placing you where you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be with when you're supposed to be there and I I consciously work to trust that and it's still it's evolving too it's not I'm not saying I'm fully immersed in that trust but I understand it now that I have witnessed it firsthand. Mm -hmm. So if there was anything you could do over, something that could have made the journey shorter or easier, what would it be? Oh. I've thought about this. Uh, you remember when I was working at William Morris as an assistant? Yes, I do. And, um, you know, as... You may have seen in movies and whatever else the horror stories of being an assistant are true. It's a it's a hard, hard, thankless job, uh, and it certainly was for me. It was the one job I had where I would cry every Sunday, thinking that I had to go back the next day. Um, 
And I, if you remember, I left that job because of those reasons. Um, and I left a little, they want you to give a full year. And then the idea is that your boss will help you get to the next place. We'll give you a job or get you a job as an assistant on a show or whatever it may be. And I left it was a little short of that. Um, and so I did not get that leg up from my boss into the next thing. And I've thought, you know, maybe if I just stayed and stuck it out, then I could have gotten to a show earlier as a showrunner's assistant or a writer's assistant or whatever, and my journey could have been shorter than it was. Um, but then I think, well, now I'm saying that my success was dependent on someone who didn't treat me well. And I don't want to believe that. And maybe I had to go the long route, but at least I went the route that felt good to me as a person and where I felt treated as I should have been treated. And if that's the trade-off, then that's okay. So I don't think there's anything else. So. Wow. You know, Kristen, you, you have a lot of conviction. And you know what you want or don't want. I remember that very well. <laughs> because I was like, just stay. It's just <laughs> and your yes, you like, and my mother. <laughs> Please get her to stay. And I was like, I have done my best. And she said, no, <laughs> she cannot take this anymore. Um, but it's interesting because even in looking back, yeah, there's the, yeah, maybe some door would have opened a lot sooner. But I'm also loving that you also resolve that I did this for me. That I have boundaries around how I'm willing, what I'm willing to do and how I'm willing to be treated in order to get to my vision. I think that, that you have to know what your limits are and what your boundaries are. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. That says a lot about you. Thank you. And it's true. I asked myself, is it? Yes, you want the dream badly enough, but you don't have to. If you wouldn't put up with this in your personal life, why would you do it for your career? It doesn't matter. It's the same. It's the same thing. You can't approach this from a position of fear or shortage or something like that. Like if I don't subject myself to this, then I won't have any opportunity because that's not how. That's not how this works. There is an yeah. abundance, and maybe your access to the abundance is a different way. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really have any regret about that. Oh, that is so good. Because when we don't have regrets, we can have peace about where we are. Mm -hmm. Don't have to second guess. So there's a strike right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> reason you have time to. Sit with me on a podcast, right? Listen, we can do this every day this week if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the writing, writer's strike. Where are things now? Where? What are you hoping for with this situation? Um, I think what writers are asking for is fair, um, which is boils down to money, of course, but also not being eliminated um you know writers rooms have gotten 
significantly smaller over the years. So there's fewer opportunities. Um, with the emergence of AI, now there's the possibility of not needing writers at all. Oh my gosh. Um, there are things have changed so much, so much with shorter writers rooms that people aren't really able to support themselves. It used to be you could get a job on a show as a writer. And even though you're not working the full year, you have enough save to survive during the off times. And with your residuals and all that you could live. That's not the case anymore. Um, so people are struggling to make ends meet. Um, they don't have enough money. They're having trouble even getting jobs on shows because of the shorter staffs. It's just taken a turn that is harmful to the industry as a whole. And if we don't do something to sort of nip this in the bud right now, then it could it will probably just get worse. Just get so worse. I am hoping for um, more opportunities and more staff positions so that more people are employed, um, more a greater out of the pie. I mean, these companies are making a lot of money, a lot of money. And writer salaries have gone the opposite way of where they should be. And I think that you know, the pandemic showed us how much we rely on entertainment and uh -huh. stories. And as a writer, these things are hard. It's hard to sit in front of a computer or a piece of paper and be vulnerable and take someone's notes and fix it and make it better and do all the things. So it's it's worth what we're asking for. Um, so I'm yeah. hoping that these companies will acknowledge our value and our worth. And well, I'm hoping that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that for you too, because I mean, the well-written shows are things we go back to again and again. The stories that are told and being told by a diverse group of people. I mean, it means something to see yourself reflected in the entertainment that you enjoy. Um, and that's one of the things I'm so proud of about where you are now and where you're going and the doors that have opened up. I know there's so many that have come before you, but there's more coming after you. Um, so one more question. I'm just thinking about the woman or the guys, I know the guys listen to you. Sometimes they ask me, what about successful men? <laughs> they got to think differently too, okay? But if you think, if there's one thought shift that a woman should make to stay the course when it's feeling hard, like maybe it's the business that they're wanting to really get going or the career change they want to make, or it doesn't even have to be career. I mean, sometimes it's, the relationship that that you want or you know the way that you want to be more fit and healthy and it's it's hard and you don't see the result that you're looking for what is the most important shift in thinking that you think you need in order to stay the course when you feel like giving up yeah a great question and my gut reaction is to say that, you know, everyone's, whatever anyone's sort of obstacle is, is different and unique to them. Um, but I think sort of understanding 
whether the message you're receiving, be it from the world, be it from people around you, is that is that true to you and is it beneficial to your goal and what you ultimately want to achieve? Or is it something that you say, you know, thank you and move along? I think there's sort of a a fine line between that. And I say that because obviously I got a lot of advice and a lot of input from a lot of people along the way. <laughs> and a lot of it was well-meaning, but didn't necessarily speak to who I am and mm-hmm. how I want to operate in the world. So I am not, I'm not an extrovert, but if someone who is an extrovert is telling me you should do X, Y, and Z, that doesn't necessarily work for me because that's not aligning with who I am as a person. So now I'm just forcing myself to do things that I'm uncomfortable with and am not good at necessarily. Now there could be a grain of something that's in that person's advice that you can take away, but I don't feel like you need to become someone else in order to get to where you want to be. You have to stay true and aligned to who you are and take what's valuable and leave the rest behind and be okay with that. And don't think if you don't do what this person says, then you're not going to make it because everyone's path is different. And there are a million ways. So that would be my advice. Oh, I love that. Stay true to who you are. And you're right. There's so many voices telling us how we should do whatever it is they're wanting to do. And so remembering that is, that's profound. It's simple, but it's profound. Kristen, thank you so much for the chance to chat with you like this and share your story because I think it's so inspiring. I think we often set the vision and I did the same thing. I, you know, I, I, when I got out of PR, I said in about six months, my calendar is going to be booked with speaking <laughs> engagements. I'll have, you know, I had gotten a book deal, but I mean, I had this idea that I thought, it happens so fast. And typically what happens is we step out of faith and we get far enough out that we can't very easily go back in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And then we realize, oh, this is going <laughs> to be a longer journey than I thought. Mm-hmm. And I I just wanted to have this conversation because that's, that's normal. And yeah. we can feel like when we're in it that we're the only ones or maybe we're silly to dream what we're dreaming or, you know, maybe it's, it's too big of a dream. And when you really get to where you're wanting to go, you realize, no, it was my dream. It was my vision. And we live one time and it's worth it to persevere until you get there. So I'm excited about where you are, but I'm also excited about where you are going and seeing all of that unfold. So thank thank you. (laughs) And thank you for joining us for this episode of the Successful Women Think Differently podcast. We will have some really great uh, show notes with a few coaching questions out of this particular episode. I really love what you just said, Kristen, about, ah, is that true for me? That's a question I always love asking because oftentimes we don't ask that question. So check out the show notes and I will talk to you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. My goal with this podcast is to give you bite-sized strategies to help you close the gap between where you are and where you really want to be. 
But if you're looking for some more in-depth help, then I invite you to join us in the Successful Women's Academy. Each month in SWA, I give you the tools you need to coach yourself to conquer the fears, habits, and distractions that threaten to get in the way of your biggest dreams, sabotage your joy, and keep you from being the best version of yourself. You can find out more by visiting ValerieBurton.com forward slash SWA. I'll see you in the next episode of the Successful Women Think Differently podcast. Podcast.